Philadelphia Union, San Jose, Earthquakes, DC United, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Orlando City SC, Montreal Impact, NYC FC, Seattle Sounders, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. It's all about expansion today on Pitch Pass, MLS expansion into Minnesota, MLS possible future expansions, Miami included, MLS expansion into mainstream media, and maybe some growing pains involved with that, and a few other topics as well, all with Philly.com's Jonathan Tannenwald. Yes, only one guest, because if you've ever listened to an episode of Pitch Pass with Jonathan Tannenwald, you know this, Jonathan Tannenwald talks a lot, and it's all interesting stuff. PitchPass.com if you need more on the show, at Pitch Pass if you want to follow us. That's it. Let's just get into it with Philly.com's Jonathan Tannenwald. Jonathan. Uh-oh. What, what, what's the problem? Is everything okay, Jonathan? Are you all right? It says anonymous. And he, I know anonymous. Oh, well, you know who that is. Exactly. You call, you call me from a parking garage in Northern Virginia <laughs> or something? Rockville, Jonathan. Come on. Nobody can afford to be to live and do corporate stuff in Northern Virginia. Please. I thought you, I thought you had spies over in that direction. Like Come on. <laughs> All right, you ready to do this? Yes. All right. Uh, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, new season for you, Jonathan. It is your first appearance on the 2015 edition of Pitch Pass. Uh, would you, I introduced you as Philly, Philly.com's Jonathan Tannenwald. Do you have something else you want to add to that? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Maybe you've added some titles in the offseason. Who knows? I, uh, I have added as many titles as the Philadelphia Union. Oh, boy. You know what? I, I, I wasn't even. Gonna, I'm going to Chicago this weekend. I, I you know, and I winless bowl at the goalkeeper is where you follow Jonathan on Twitter for soccer stuff. He's got like nine million Twitter accounts, but that's his soccer Twitter account. And I did see that you said you were going to be in Chicago for the uh, the really really high flying match between Chicago Fire and the Philadelphia Union. So why don't we start there? Because I didn't, I wasn't going to bring up a lot of Union stuff because uh, there's not a lot of good Union stuff. But uh, is this where they get some points? I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because the two players who are most important to that effort are out. Christian Maidana is injured, and Zach Stafford got a really stupid True. red card last weekend and then was dinged on, uh, on Wednesday with a further one-game suspension for putting an elbow into Mario Diaz's head. He said it was unintentional which is all well and good. But when I pointed out on Twitter that he led with his elbow, and some Union fans came back to me and said, you know, his elbow wasn't intentional. I said, if your elbow is out and it hits the guy's head before the rest of your body does, you were leading with the elbow. And the ref is well within his rights to send him off. Agreed. He he definitely deserved to be sent off. Uh, He did come out later and say it was not intentional. I don't know how how true that statement is. Uh, But he he got his just uh, reward for that, which is the extra game from the uh, disciplinary committee. Here's my question to you, I guess. If I'm a union fan, tell me why this is not same old, same old union. And by that, I mean... We've got a guy who's going to take over in midseason, kind of shake the team out of its doldrums, but not really shake them out, but kind of shake them out. Then we're going to take the interim tag off of them. Then we're going to give them the first half of the following season, realize that we don't like where they're going, and bring somebody else in to shake off the doldrums again. At a certain point, and both you and your famous producer, Kyle Sheldon, who deserves a raise, yes, um, know this full well. 
at a certain point, it's not the coach. It's the guy who hires the coach. And who hires the coach? Well, you, uh, is, this, is this your Nick Sikavich, uh He ain't mine. <laughs> what can you tell me about the signing of Imboli? I got nothing. Okay. Because they didn't need him. Because what I what I've been seeing the first two matches is a guy who is at best average and at worst a guy that's going to have a couple of mental lapses per match. And for this, we've we've overpaid him, which probably means we couldn't bring in somebody else in the field that we could use. We You mean Zach Steffen? We we loaned out we loaned out McMath, who, whether he was or not the long-term answer, he's now already being pushed out. And we've, we've kept our keeper of the future uh, on the back burner even longer to bring this guy in who has, I would argue, hurt the team since he's been on the team. Yes, he cost him the playoffs last year, and he'll own up to that. But on his day, I've watched him playing with Algeria's national team. He can be pretty good. My issue is... You screw over Andre Blake by signing him, and you you would have had Zach Steffen, who's the under-20 national team goalkeeper, free of charge as a homegrown player. Mm -hmm. But he didn't want to come to Philadelphia. Why? Maybe it was money, sure. But could you have convinced him that he was going to play? Not when you keep signing all these other guys. Exactly, yeah. Now, listen. So let me me read you something that Nick Sikiewicz told me last over the winter, after last season ended. When, I, when he was getting heat from a lot of people for bringing him bully in, benching McMath, who had been playing well, and so on and so forth. And Sakevich, I would remind you, was a goalkeeper in his playing career. Quote from him to me. Quote, people for some reason think there is some nefarious thing against Zach McMath, that I'm the guy who went and got right some bully. I'm not the guy... His agent came to Chris Albright, the technical director, and Jim Curtin, the head coach, an agent who I've known for a long time who's very credible and very good, and said, I've got to get this guy out of CSKA Sophia. He's not getting paid. He's in a horrible situation. Are you guys interested? It was a very attractive financial deal. Jim and Chris wanted him, and I said, I'll support that. That is in dispute, by the way. We don't need a goalkeeper right now, but I'll support that. And actually, when I look at Zach McMath's record over 100 games, we need better goalkeeping. All of this was said to me on the record. But you drafted Andre Blake. His agent, who Nick Sakevich has known for a long time. Yes. Yeah, it's, well, it's Chris look, Albright and Jim Curtin, but Sakevich had nothing to do with it. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Reading between the lines, I could I could interpret that as, hey, do me a solid and sign this guy for me, get him out of. You, but it's you, not, live in, you live in Washington, right? Yes. <laughs> you go down to Capitol Hill, a politician says that. What's that mean? Exactly. It's a it's a it's a lobbyist. It's a lobbyist question to a congressman. Uh, hey, I need this. Can you do this in exchange for this? And who knows? But you know. And but to, I will be fair. It wasn't a done deal. Zach Steffen was going to sign for Union, no matter what happened. Uh, but this probably didn't help the situation. No, and, and, and drafting Andre Blake didn't help. Yes, of course. They, they, they didn't necessarily even need Andre Blake at the time. It, it, it's. It's again, it, it, they might not have gotten Stefan. He might always have run to Europe. He's obviously good enough, and that's fine. But it does seem to me that they didn't really make enough of an effort 
And I don't think that they're better. Say what you want about Zach McMath. They're not better off right now without with without having Zach McMath as your number one. It's not like they upgraded so much that you go, finally, got rid of him. No, you're kind of in the same boat, only paying more money for it. I think the jury's still out on that. Because, look, I definitely thought that McMath had a ceiling, and I still do. And I think that Andre Blake was really well, but had a higher ceiling. And we didn't really know what he was capable of because he got stuck on the bench and wasn't developing. So they go out and sign a bully. Who may well be better than McMath, but he hasn't proved it yet. No. And I don't know how much time you give him to prove it before you start having the wheels come off the bandwagon if they're not already off. And here's, here's the other problem, and this is not Mboli's fault. And to a certain degree, it's not Sakevich's fault, but he at least ought to be aware of it. You're from this town, right? Yes. How many games in a row was a Flyers goalie allowed to lose? Well, yeah. I mean, you can't go on a losing streak without having something be shaken up. But it's that, it's that specifically. It's that the Philadelphia fan is so conditioned to look at that position and put everything on that right or wrong. Yeah. And again, that's not a bully's fault. That's not necessarily even Sikavich's fault. But you better be ready for your fan base to overreact to this stuff and be able to calm them down, and they haven't really done that. Okay, so let me transition into a, a more national issue, but using that as the example, uh, this Philadelphia Union-Chicago fire match, is it the Fox Sports 1 or is it the ESPN match? It's the ES- it is the ESPN 2 <laughs> matchup between what I believe are the third and fourth largest television markets in the country. Soccer Sunday! Hey, you hope, you know, when Chicago goes out and makes the signings that they did, you hope that they pay off, and they've been terrible. They've been horrible. When your DPs can't get on the field, you've got a problem. Philly's been, and and now they're going to be without David Ackerman and and Sean Maloney this weekend because they're out on on national team college. You run a Philly-Chicago game, as I said, third and fourth among the TV markets in the country by population. You want that to be a big deal. It should be a big deal. But both teams are crap. So let me ask. It's a problem, and it's holding Major League Soccer back. Okay, so. You're the guy to ask. I mean, to me, for MLS, you are the media guru. What, what is your take on the numbers thus far, uh, ratings-wise, this year for, for two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season? Well, they're up. Let's start with that. And that's a good thing. Um, and what, do you, do you attribute... The, you, opening, the opening weekend numbers were spectacular. Um, the second weekend numbers were decent, but the... the uh, the New York City FC game was hit by the selection show. That's yes. understandable. This coming weekend is going to stink. But at least if you're going to eat a weekend, this is the weekend to eat because you have the regional finals of the NCAA tournament you know, at, at 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock. If you're going to do that, this is the weekend to eat because everybody's going to be watching Duke, Kentucky, and whoever else. That's fine. Let me make this point that was brought up to me by some folks I know in the TV industry. Last year, was okay, last weekend as we talk, the third weekend of the season, you had a New York D.C. game in San Jose, Chicago. Those two games were also nationally televised last year. It so happens that 
Both New York DC games were televised by ESPN2. Last year, the New York DC game was a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2, and it got 164,000 viewers. This year, 5 o'clock on a Sunday, 250,000. Okay. For a New York team that doesn't have TLA on with Tim Cahill, mind you. Yes, but but we're talking we're talking Wednesday night versus Sunday night. You'd think though that people would be home on a Wednesday night. That's true. Okay. Um, and and that game was well. It was September tenth. It was late in the season. You knew that there were some playoff implications. San Jose Chicago last year, ten fifty three p.m. Eastern time kickoff on a Wednesday in late July, July twenty third to be precise. Sixty seven thousand people on NBCSN. 7 o'clock Eastern on a Sunday on Fox Sports 1 this year, 134,000. That's a, that's a nice jump. And w- two reasons. One is people are paying more attention. Two is we're done with the 11 o'clock Eastern time kickoffs, finally. And I'm sorry to the listeners on the West Coast. Most of the television viewers live in the Eastern and Central time zones. Sometimes if you want to make the big money, you've got to play by their rules. Yep. I say that as somebody who lives in the Eastern time zone, but yeah, it's true. So do I. I've never lived anywhere else. <laughs> so we're jaded. We're biased, I should say. So what, do is there anything that we can put stock in as, as this laying any foundation for what's to come? Or are we still at the point where every week we just got to analyze the numbers and some weeks are going to be off and some weeks are they're going to be up and we really, you can't take stock from one, one week to the next? It's the American soccer community. What do you want? It's what we do. <sighs> you know. Okay, well, let me ask you this. In the gra- People talk about MLS being the equivalent of a you know, a 20-year-old, a sophomore, or a junior in college, or whatever it is. Well, you know, so is the fan base to a degree. Mm-hmm. In terms of maturity, we're still obsessing over every little thing. And that's fine because we don't have a lot of data points to work with yet. But I'm looking down the, the, the schedule. I'm looking at April 12th, Portland, Orlando, and L.A., Seattle. That's going to be an interesting one to see how, how what, what the ratings get to. April 26th, there is a triple header. Red Bulls, L.A., Orlando City, Toronto, and Seattle, Portland. That'll be a big day for judging ratings, because you'd imagine that all the stars will be playing. Yes. And, 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 and then I have... I, li- I like the way that you analyze this. Because for me, I get caught up in, oh, Portland should be on all the time because their atmosphere is great. Or same thing with Seattle. But that Portland-Seattle game, for all the atmosphere, those are, those are lower on the scale of market size. than So you can have all the atmosphere in the world in Portland, and it may look great. But people, if people, don't people outside of Portland don't tune in, it doesn't matter how great the atmosphere is. The soccer fans will tune in. The way you set up Portland, people know about the atmosphere. So you send LA or New York or Seattle up there, and they will watch. Yes. I mean, I'll watch Portland for the atmosphere no matter what, but if, if, if they're going to keep, well, I was going to say if they're going to keep having U.S. national team players taken away from them, but whatever ends up happening. Um, but my point Seattle's is. Seattle's got the names. But my point Let's is see, the, the, the Portland, the Portland Orlando match. The draw in that match isn't a Portland crowd. I don't even know if it's in Portland or not. But if it's in Portland, the draw isn't Portland's atmosphere. It's Kaká on national TV. It's 
Kaká going into Portland. Yes. Which is fine. Yeah, because but, because you know, if you get if you get somebody if you get somebody who's just watching because they want to see Kaká and they they turn it on and right. they're blown away by the Portland Portland atmosphere, job done. You're you're changing somebody into an MLS right. fan. Perfect. I, but he's not I, tuning in for the Portland atmosphere. He's tuning in for Kaká. I said a month before the season started, not a month. I said quite a while before the TV schedule came out. New York City FC versus Orlando will be the first ESPN game of the season. And everybody said to me, you're nuts, split them up. Has to be. I said, no, I'm thinking like a television executive, that's the first game of the season because everything goes in the back game. Yep. Yep. So we're talking... Me- here's, Go here's, ahead. An, here's another big one to circle. May 10th, 7 o'clock, New York City FC goes to Red Bull Arena for the first time. Now you've circled game this. of the year to date in Major League Soccer. Why do you say that? Because my my thought process would be, well, we're putting all of our eggs in New York City, and if the rest of the country doesn't care, who cares if everybody in New York tunes in? Is that an inaccurate statement? People are going to tune in in Philly and Boston, and I think they're going to they're going to tune in across the rest of the country because by then they will know quite a bit about Via and and, and this group. Got it. And they're going to see, you know, they're going to see. With all due respect to L.A. and Chivas, uh, in the modern, in the in the newest current era of Major League Soccer, where people are really starting to pay attention, they're going to see a really serious, big time local rivalry, like same market local rivalry for the first time in a while, and there's going to be an edge to it that the L.A. rivalry didn't have. So, in your educated opinion, what's a number that I need to look for, and and a listener needs to look for? to go, yep, that's the number that we were hoping for for that match. Half a million? That's, yeah, it's probably. Any probably. higher? Any higher? Uh, no, the MLS hasn't proven that it can get that much higher Okay. on a regular basis. Ha- half a million, Garber and the rest of the crew are high-fiving on, on Monday. For what, yeah, <laughs> I, I I think that's the, the benchmark. Okay. So let's talk about Garber. Let's talk about MLS, and let's talk about the media all together. Um, the What a Haller article has really uh, shaken things up. Uh, the American soccer media, and uh, to me, is is indicative of of a growing pain that MLS has been going through for. Uh, a year or so, but has now only come to light because of this article. And that is uh, when the mainstream media or the media who isn't uh, catering to the MLS narrative that they want put put forth go off the narrative and MLS's response to that. To me, this is a, this is an issue because it's not always going to be roses and sunshine. And if you want to be mainstream, if you want to play with the, the major sports of the world, uh, this, is what, this is what it's all about. The, the NFLs of the world put their big boy pants on and take hits that are critical of their league. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to dance a little carefully here because I'm very good friends with George Croatia, and I have been for quite a while, and I'm trying to not let my friendship with him... Um, affect how I view this stuff. I need to get that out there first. 
I, I have said many times to many people that I know at Major League Soccer when I've been critical of them, and as much as the tinfoil brigade loves to hate me, I am plenty critical of them when I need to be and when they merit it. On such things as, for example, the roster rules and the salary cap and free agency and all that I have said, I offer these criticisms because I believe that Major League Soccer has grown to the point where it can make these changes and still be just fine and thrive. I don't do this stuff from an idealist, pure as this is how it has to be because the rest of the world is this way, and it's the only way you can be. And sometimes if you come at this saying, I, I say this because of how closely I have gotten to understand MLS, they accuse you of being in the tank for the league. Look, George and Howard had a marketing partnership with Major League Soccer for a while. They did a magazine for them. But that doesn't stop them from being critical when they need to be. And, and what I will say is that if you... If, this is the most I'm willing to say on it, I think. If you're Rob Heineman and you've got somebody in your box with Marcella Clower, you do, I think, have to know what he's doing there. Now, if the guy is being dishonest with you about why he's there, that's one thing. Totally different. It sounds like he was making it clear that he was there to do a story on Clower. Therefore, if you're Heineman, you've got to watch it a little bit. And I agree with that, and I use that that article not as the standard, but as another example of what I perceive MLS's loathing of people who put shade on their sunny days. But they don't. They, they, They don't as an institution. The people, well, the people who work there, a lot of them, get it. And they'll tell you, privately, yeah. perhaps, that you're right. But the people who pull the strings, at the end of the day, are the owners. And they, as we've now seen with Bob Heineman, and as we sometimes see with Merritt Paulson, and as we have seen on more than one occasion with Mr. Robert Kraft of Foxborough, Massachusetts, are very, very thin-skinned. But I see. And I it's, you not, just, it's a bit of a, It's an open secret in MLS media circles that a guy here in Philadelphia who used to, to do some writing for the union's website and uh, and uh, a few other places got dropped from the union's website because he tweeted something negative about Kraft, and Kraft called down here and said, "Get him out." Now look, that's bad. Look. You're you're making me argue both sides of this now because it's not like you don't see that in in other sports. That's number one. But on the other side of the coin, I think you just hit the nail on the head when you said thin-skinned. And I think that's immaturity on the part of some of these owners who who aren't used to being criticized. They're, oh, well, Bob Kraft, well, well, well Kraft, Kraft isn't used to being criticized, then, you know. Kraft, Kraft, is, Kraft is, a, is a great example because Kraft... Kraft is not, in my opinion, publicly thin-skinned. He's very thick-skinned, and he he stays above any of this stuff. And I know we want our owners to be interactive on Twitter, and we love how Precourt and, and Heinemann and Paulson do it, but there also has to be the other side of the coin. As if you're going to put yourself out there, people, there, you have to have a thicker skin than what some of these owners have, have shown. And I'll, I'll be honest, some of the players have shown. Sure. 
and to me, that's the immaturity of the league, uh, immaturity of owners who, who aren't long-term owners and well, haven't owned well, teams. Let's, let's separate the immaturity of the league from the immaturity of the owners. That, to me, is an important – I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Why is that, why is that important? Because you're throwing under the bus a bunch of people in New York who are not involved in this. So you're oh you're saying you're saying the immaturity of of the league uh, the New York City base of operations headquarters. Yes. Okay. Because I would I would argue that you do need to throw in the players. Uh, I, not yeah the coaches. I think there's an immaturity to the entire league, lowercase league, not the headquarters, but the league itself in how it deals with criticism. Tell it to the U.S. national team technical director. <laughs> so, do you do you agree or disagree with they're that? Not fit, they're not. They're, the fitness is a problem. Thank you, thank you, Jurgen. Thank you. The fitness is a problem with the American soccer community. <laughs> you know, it's just, to me, it's just funny that that using Klinsman example, we can always fall back on it's not like this and other parts of the world. Thus I don't need to 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 deal or adjust my the way I do things to because it's not how I'm used to dealing with things. And I think every I think the league does a fantastic job and this show is a is a perfect example of the league being up and open minded to to different outlets, media outlets that other other sports aren't. But I also think the downside of that openness and the downside of the casualness of the players and how the how accessible the players are, the downside of that is things like this where it's, oh, they wrote an article that's not flattering about me. They're out. But it's, it's why we need more voices and more resources in the independent media. And yes, that includes the, the mainstream people like myself and Grant Wall and so forth, so that when we come to bear with criticism, we have some clout. Yes. And they can't just kick us out of the press box. Yep. Because if you kick Sports Illustrated and the Philadelphia Inquirer and the New York Times out of the press box, it's going to look pretty bad. Exactly. And, you know, a perfect example was our guest last week, Brian Strauss, who, who wrote that article about Klinsman. They couldn't kick him out. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Right. It's just, to me... Look, is it a raging problem? No. But if you want to play with the big boys, so to speak, you got to put your big boy pants on and realize that every article and every column and every blog and every news report and every YouTube video out isn't going to be everything is fantastic in MLS and we are so lucky and blessed to have you in our lives as a league. It's not going to be like that. That's all I'm saying. Last thing with you, Can we talk about some happier things? Yes. Minnesota United. Uh, loved my. This is my first experience with uh, Dr. Bill McGuire. Was during the press conference announcing the uh, franchise officially as part of MLS. I loved everything about what he had to say, right down to the way that he said it. I mean, him getting choked up at the beginning was very touching. Uh, his understated way of look. Uh, there's a lot of people to thank, and, and we're not going to just. It's not just all about uh, you. I think the quote was something loosely based on, we don't need to have all these platitudes about what's so great about our area. We know what's great about our area. Now it's time for us to go to work. I love that. 
I, I, I'm so happy <laughs> oh boy. that Minnesota is getting a team that, that uh, uh, some of the people who I've known up there, especially, you know this, this name, uh, Bruce McGuire. Yes. Uh-huh. On Twitter, one of the longest standing American soccer journalists out there. He's finally getting a major league soccer team to, to call his own. He doesn't have to drive down to Kansas City or who knows where else anymore. Well, let me ask you this before you finish your point. Um, and we should probably have him on. I know he does his own podcast, and it's very successful, much more successful than this one. But I saw a lot of people thanking him uh, when the announcement was made. Is this a situation where he wants to be thanked? It always felt to me as if he was very comfortable having Minnesota United in a, as an NASL team. Is it a thing for him and people of his ilk to go, you don't need to let me in the club. I'm already in the club. It's just very nice that my team's an MLS team now. No, and here's why. So it is a graduation kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. But look, Bruce is, a, Bruce is an exception in a lot of ways because he's done a lot of work for so long on, on American soccer. I have one really big issue with the North American Soccer League, and you and most of your listeners know what it is. It is their banker, Traffic Sports. They are a problem, and they have been a problem for the better part of 30 years. Yep. And I am very happy any time a fan base gets out of their clutches, since they run the NASL, whether or not they want to admit it, um, they, anytime a fan base gets out from under their clutches, I am happy, and Minnesota has done that today. And it, it may or may not be coincidental, but I certainly think it's notable that MLS is picking off NASL markets. Now, whether the NASL laid the groundwork for them is an open question. I certainly think they have in San Antonio. But Minneapolis was there before, uh, as, as we can see, it's going to be there again. So we're going to see what happens with the NASL if Miami comes in, if at some point San Antonio comes in. I don't think the NASL can live on like this forever, but traffic sports has proven itself to be pretty darn stubborn over the years. <laughs> what were your impressions of, uh, of the announcements, uh, and specifically Dr. McGuire? That is great. I'm really happy that the Minnesota United slash Twins slash Timberwolves team won this thing instead of the Vikings. Yeah. Because I think it would have been pretty bad if they'd been playing in an NFL stadium. Whether or not they want to admit it, uh, they're a lot better now heading into a proper soccer stadium. For people who uh, kind of – they cry foul when NYCFC gets a team because they put $100 million down and have no soccer-specific stadium. And Miami is announced as, the, as a franchise to come with no soccer-specific stadium announcement just because of, of who is the one who is leading the ownership group. Um, are, we, are we giving a pass to Minnesota United because we like uh, organic up from up from the minor leagues to the major league soccer level uh, situation story more than the big boys just getting a team because or I don't or is this think, situation I don't think different? It's a pass. I think a pass is the wrong word, but I do think we are seeing something of a trend where these teams come in two by two, 
and one is more organic and one is more corporate. You know, you have New York yes. City and Orlando. Yes. You have Atlanta and... L.A., maybe. <laughs> L.A., maybe, but then you're going to have well, you have you'll Miami ha- and Minnesota. Yeah, yes. Or Sacramento and Minnesota. If it goes Sacramento and Minnesota, then you can say you brought in two corporate teams in L.A. and Atlanta, and then... Uh, yeah, you could, do, you could say L.A., L.A., Minnesota, or L- Atlanta, Minnesota, and then L.A., Sacramento. Well, the, the, they, they don't, they're not, it's not all, they're, 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 sorry. Why are they, that's not a way to stumble through things. Uh, they, they aren't just, they're going two tracks, is my point. They're going both tracks at once. And that, to me, makes some sense. I, I get that. To cover both bases. So... Am I giving a pass to Minnesota? And, and the reason I, the pass I'm talking about is the soccer-specific stadium. Am I giving a pass to Minnesota uh, that I didn't give to to Miami or NYCFC be, just because of the organic nature of Minnesota versus the corporate nature of the other two franchises? Well, they got to get the deal done, but it sounds like they will. And it's a little bit different playing politics. And look, it's not yes, it's playing true. politics almost anywhere anymore isn't easy. But New York is a beast unto itself. And even for as as difficult as things can be with public financing in in, in Minnesota, the fact that the the Minnesota United group got this, and that's the group that the fans really wanted, I think will help. Because we saw a story that one of the reasons why there was public pressure. You know, government pressure coming against the Minnesota United Group was not so much that the politician who was making the pressure believed it sincerely, but because the the Vikings owners were yeah. him to do it. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I wanted to ask the question, Jonathan, just because you know I want to play this right down the middle. I just want to be objective, and if you feel that I'm getting subjective rather than objective, I want you to call me out on it. That's all I'm asking. I can't know. <laughs> At this point, they got to get the stadium done. And you, you think and we're going to find out between now and June? Last thing for you, and it's a very easy question, uh, considering what we've talked about up to this point. Um, there is another United in the league now. Uh, as a DC United fan, I, I I vacillate back and forth between not really being bothered by it and then being slightly annoyed by it. And uh, I'm thinking about. Uh, Brian Strauss's article today on SI.com where, you know, he was just going over the timeline and everything. And he, every time he United then did this. And then I was, I, I, for a second, I get tripped up. Then I go, Oh, it's Minnesota United. Then I go, Oh, it's annoying that there's another team in, in, in the league with the same name as my team. That's not a problem, right? Well, what are you more annoyed by the fact that there's multiple United or the fact there's multiple birds? (laughs) There are plenty of birds. Yeah, they take they took the bird, they took the United. I mean, it's 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 just all ridiculous. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm, I'm looking at the mascots now. I'm looking at the crests. Yes, now. yes. And DC United is the only team with a bird in it. Well, not won't be when Minnesota United comes in. Right. They want to be... have two Uniteds and two birds. Yeah. Look, I don't. I don't fault them for wanting to be just like the best. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. Never mind. I'm just saying. Ninety-eight percent of the time, I'm okay with another United in the league. That two percent where I I confuse myself. It's a little bit. It's a little bit annoying. That's all. They, they can commiserate because. <laughs> Outside of soccer, I believe that, that Washington and Minneapolis have the longest championship droughts of any sports market in the country with four wow. major pro teams. Wow. At least. Wow. That, that. It, was the, it was the Twins and the Jack Kent Cooks within a few months of each other. Wow. You, you really had to go there, did you? <laughs> I grew up rooting for the Jack Kent Cooks. I don't anymore. But... <laughs> All, right. All right. Fair enough. He's from Philly.com. It's always a pleasure to talk with him. Jonathan Tannenwald, thank you, my friend. Always, hey, always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, keep, uh, keep trying to dodge that streetcar coming down 8th Street. Uh, that streetcar's never coming, Jonathan. It'll never, you can wait a long time <laughs> waiting on that corner for it. <laughs> show information, go to pitchpass.com.